And truly saith the Lord, I have given you my authority. And you will take my authority and you will go from this place and you will go into the streets, the highways, the hedges. You will go into the byways and you will use that authority and you will see great things, saith the Lord. And many will rise up and be healed and many will rise up and follow you even as they followed me as I demonstrated the gospel to them. And they will follow you and they will say, show us the God you know. Show us what you know. Teach us what you know. And saith the Lord, so go forth boldly from this place using that authority and don't depend on yourself and what you know and what you can say and what you can do but just roll all of your care and dependence over on me and I'll do it the work saith the Lord so just open your mouth and speak boldly and just tell them that Jesus can take care of that and lay your hands upon them and transmit the anointing into them saith the Lord and you will see you will see that many will rise up many will be healed many will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye of course this is the day of the great harvest. This is the day of great exploits, so don't wait. Don't wait any longer, because now I am sending you forth. I am thrusting you out into the harvest this day, even in answer to your prayers in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Any Amen. Does anybody have something to go along with that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. That might not be the end of it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. No, that's not all of it. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ooh, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Did y'all, some of you might just feel something like swelling up inside of you. Hallelujah. That's how I sensed it right then. So, hallelujah. You might just want to launch out on that, what's swelling up on the inside of you. And if you have that, we'll come on up here and we'll let you do that in the microphone. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Mm. Oh, hallelujah. Holy Ghost, we're open to you tonight, Lord. We're open to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And saith the Lord, I have put an utterance gift in many of you. Many of you have an utterance gift. Hallelujah. And even those of you that may not have a full-time utterance gift, I've put a gift in you where you will utter forth the words of God spontaneously many times throughout your day and throughout the marketplaces you go and as you work. And so saith the Lord, be bold. Be bold to speak forth and open your mouth. Oh, and grace will pour forth from your lips. And, and those around you will be amazed at things you say. Because saith the Lord, though, though, though the things you say might be commonplace to you and to your family and to your church family, they're not commonplace out there in the in the streets, in the highways, in the hedges. So, so they'll be amazed at the things that you say. They'll be amazed at the things of my word that you utter 
utter forth. And so utter forth the things of my word boldly. And don't hold back any longer. Do not be afraid. For this is a day and this is an hour. When many will be reached and many will be touched. And many that you think could never be touched and could not be reached. Oh, they'll be touched and they'll be reached. And they'll be reached in a very easy way in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Well, you have utterance inside of you. Hallelujah. Got utterance inside of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And the things that we think are not common. That was so good. That are common to us are so uncommon to them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, that reminds me of when I was a little Baptist girl and wasn't baptized in the Holy Ghost. And, uh, and uh, my grandmother was, and she had invited up some people from Roscoe, Texas, Betty and Don Turner. Don's gone on to be with the Lord now. And she invited them up for a New Year's Eve service to Seagraves, and they played the guitar and so forth. And, uh, and, uh, and you talk about God using simple utterance and making it very supernatural because we weren't baptized in the Holy Ghost, but we had gotten an inkling of it. In fact, I had, uh, when I was pregnant with Colin, I had quit work and I had uh, started watching uh, Jim Baker and Tammy on the Praise the Lord show. And they had Oral Roberts on there one day. And that's the first time I ever heard anything about seed faith. And I sowed my first seed, $15. That never had sowed a seed. I mean, I'd given offerings at the church, but to actually sow a seed, I'd never done it. And I, they sent a thing to me, you know, and said, do you have a prayer request? And at the bottom of it, I'd wrote, um, you know, I'd heard a little bit about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and so I said, pray for me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, they do read those prayer requests because they fired some books back to me, which I didn't read. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes you're nearly ready, but you're not quite ready. You know what I'm saying? But I read them eventually, but I didn't read them right away. But anyway, they, my grandmother, of course, was led by the Spirit, and she had Betty and Don Turner come up from Roscoe. And now you talk about country folks, and just strumming the guitar in a country way. I mean, it makes Jonathan look like a rock star the way <coughs> Don plays the guitar or did hallelujah and just you know country hickey West Texas wangy country voices just singing the praise songs and you know we sang scripture songs back then we actually sang the scripture we would turn over to first John you know, 4, 7, and 8 and sing. We'd really sing First John 4, 7, and 8, which was pretty awesome, actually. Hallelujah. I tell you, more anointing a lot of times on that kind of music than the stuff people are producing today as far as having anointing. I'm not talking about, you know, as far as having excitement, there's more excitement in some of the music today, but as far as having anointing, hallelujah, sometimes some of that, that stuff has really got the Holy Ghost in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Reggie knows. Me and Reggie are both David Ingalls, we are, we are, what do you call that? I don't know, groupies or something. We are like David Ingalls fans, you know. 
I think we're the only one. You know, that's too slow for some people, but you talk about the power of God coming in, and that's what I'm all about. I don't care how excited you get, get me the anointing to come in. Amen? So what was I telling? Well, anyway, Don and Betty came up, and so they gave their testimony about getting baptized in the Holy Ghost, and then, and I don't know who I'm telling all this for, but anyway, uh, they, I'm trying to tell you it doesn't have to be anything complicated. And so they gave their testimony about getting baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they sang some real simple scripture songs like this, the day and so forth and because it because everything was pretty simple back then but we were breaking away from hymns and so forth and so but what really got me what really got the hook in my mouth and drug me in was that when they because they were staying at my grandmother's house and we would go over there and eat meals because she was like miss hospitality miss southern hospitality and she cooked you know biscuits and gravy and all the good stuff she was one good cook cream pie oh i mean but anyway Glory to God. I mean, that's what we're having on the marriage supper of the Lamb. Granny Hicksie's cooking cream pie. Hallelujah. But anyway, so, um, but here, now this is how, what got me. This is what hooked me is they would just be walking through the house, like going to the restroom or going back to the bedroom to get something. And they would just be like saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Lift their head, praise the Lord, just as they're walking down the hall. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. And they did it all the time. And I'm like, it's so, it was the hook. It's like they didn't have all these sermons, these words of eloquence. They didn't know, they did, probably didn't know, they don't know, uh, they didn't know a tenth of what you know as far about the Bible. But that's what hooked me. Just them walking through the house saying, praise the Lord, thank you Jesus. Because I had never seen anybody do that before. Nobody at First Baptist. Now we sang about praising the Lord. But we never actually ever did it. I mean, we, there's some songs that say, you know, praise the Lord in the Baptist hymnal. There's some songs. And we sang those songs, but we never did it. And anybody in the church, they'd have fell out if you'd ever hollered out praise the Lord in the church. That would have been the end, the end, the living end. Hallelujah. So uh, anyway, that's, my, that's what made me think of that is how uneloquent that was but yet how powerful. Amen? So just go ahead and don't, don't make it have to be so eloquent. Just let utterance come out of your mouth, whether it's even just praise or whether it's just singing or whether it's just giving glory to God. And just go ahead and let it. You just don't... And you know, you're, you know, sometimes, you know what's going to happen. You're going to get to heaven and there's going to be people you don't know from Adam going to walk up to you and say, Thank you. <laughs> you are the reason. I'm. Because one time, I just heard you walking down the hall and you were saying, praise the Lord. And something about that just got a hold of me. And you're going to be going, oh my word, I didn't even know you. I didn't even see you. See, sometimes we're just looking for something different than God's looking for. He's just wanting to use you. He wants to use you. So, And then there's times that we're going to give, uh, there's times utterance is going to come on you and you're going to give eloquent speeches. You know, just like the Holy Ghost came on Peter on the day of Pentecost and he just preached to 3,000 and hallelujah, it was eloquent and it was wonderful. But hallelujah, sometimes that's not even the most important thing. I just want you to look. I mean, and I'm not even bragging on us because we're really small fish compared to a lot of preachers. But look at Betty and Don's harvest for walking down the hall in my grandmother's house saying praise the Lord. Look at the people we affected in Seminole. We've affected people in Tuscaloosa County. And boy, Betty and Don, and we're not the only ones they affected. You know, hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Okay, well, that was all extra because that wasn't in the plan. But it was in the Holy Ghost plan. So, thank you, Jesus. We're, being, we're doing that. Now, uh, let's, tonight I want to talk about, uh, by the Holy Ghost instructions, something that some of you probably know about. Some of you have probably heard about but don't know a lot about it. And some of you are going to have just like, I never heard of that. And so, the, but the Lord wants to talk about it. And uh, uh, <clears throat> on Tuesday night before prayer, the ladies' prayer, the Lord just started, I love it when the Holy Ghost does this, just like plunk, 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 and he just dropped it down in me and I just wrote it down and it was just all there. And uh, But I want to, let me introduce it first a little bit, but uh, for 20 years or more, or 20 years for us, let me, no, actually for the whole body of Christ, about 20 years ago, maybe 25, uh, the Lord started uh, talking by the prophets, by the teachers, to the body of Christ and telling them about some things, about the end times and things that were going to happen. Things uh, that were exciting. And it ha started happening about in the mid-80s or early 80s. And, uh, you know, we thought those things would come to pass right away. All of us thought that. But, you know, one of the things the Lord says is, we're just now there. And we are right there, right now. We're there now. Thank God we're finally there. We're there. Say, we're there. Okay. And in 2007, there's three things that God's putting the emphasis on. Now, one, before he gave me the sermon, and I hadn't even got to that part yet, he told me one morning, because remember in January, uh, one of the things we set about to do was to sow seed. And beyond sowing seed to, in the church, we began to just sow what we had to sow into other people. And, and, and what the purpose of that was is to get things moving. We need to get things moving in our lives many times. And so, um, and I purposed in my heart, and I know some of, several other of you did, we did that one Sunday, but something told me inside, just keep on doing that the rest of the month. And so I began to look through my jewelry box and, and other places in the house and just look for things that I could sew. And uh, hallelujah, and pastor, he did the same thing. And so we had some sewing things in uh, January, and I know that's still going on. But um, I, I hadn't completely let it die out. But one morning last week, I was praying, and the Lord said, uh, you need to keep sewing. He said, you need to keep finances moving daily. Now, this all goes with what I'm going to talk about here in a minute. The purpose is coming, the purpose for that. And here's what he said. He said, I move where things are moving. Where things aren't moving, God doesn't move. Now, you think about that. You go to an old, stale church that nothing's happening, nothing's moving, nobody's moving. Does anything ever happen? No. So God moves where things are moving. Turn over to, we'll look at that in the scripture, John 5, because this scripture he gave me that morning. And he was talking to me, but I think it's for you too. Hallelujah. And you take it if you want to. But you need to start looking for things you can sow. And it doesn't have to be um, 
And you know anything special, I've taught you about seed sowing before. You don't ever want to think, well, I wonder if this is something they could use. It's irrelevant if they can use it. It's irrelevant if they like it. If they don't like it and don't want to use it, they just sow it again. They just pass it on. It's just a seed that keeps on going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and if you have nothing to sow but a piece of paper that nobody could use, that doesn't matter either. Because, see, God always gives seed to the sower. And a lot of people are sitting around. There's even people in this church that are sitting around saying, God, if you will give me a, if you'll give me a lot of money, I'll sow. But he never starts with that. He always starts with what you have. That's like, give me a fire and I'll give you some wood. No, you give him wood and he'll give you fire. And you've got to give God the wood. First. And sometimes that's all you've got to give is just a piece of wood, something nothing nobody would want, nobody could use, uh, you know, a used pencil, and you start where you are, and then God gives you something from that, and you take that and you sew it, and you start building, hallelujah, uh, you start building something. You get a momentum going, you get something going. So John 4, or 5, excuse me, John 5, verse 2, this is familiar to you. <laughs> And it says that now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these laid a great multitude of impotent folk of bind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at the certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease that he had. Now that's as far as we're going to go because we're wanting to get this end of the verse. We always talk about the other end, how God healed that impotent man. I mean, how Jesus healed him. But um, we're wanting to get this end of the verse and see how the God moved when the waters moved. And God didn't move until the waters moved. So we need to keep waters, the waters. We need to keep the flow of the Holy Ghost. we got to keep things moving in our life. Something moving all the time because God moves where things are moving. Hallelujah. That's why He'll move in praise and worship. He'll move. Why? Because we're moving towards Him in praise and worship. And He will move. And if you stand there like a knot on the log, nothing's going to move. Nothing's going to change in your life. If you sit through the offerings and you don't get any... And you and sometimes you've got to go beyond your normal rote offerings. I'm just... You know, I give $10 every week. I'm just... You know, no. Get something moving. Stir it more. Get it... Get it... You know, it might be moving a little bit because you sow $10 every week. But if you'll, if you'll give it a big stir, a big splash, like in when our pool, you know, we, we, that water's moving. But sometimes, one time Eric climbed up on the arbor. Now I got upset with him about that. He climbed up on the arbor and jumped in. How, now water, and when Colin cannonballs, water moves. I'm telling you, it moves. You can feel it in the neighbor's backyard. And so... And sometimes with our finances, we got to get things moving. So um, that's what I'm doing is I'm all, I'm looking for the seed to sow. And if I don't see anything, well, I'll get a $10 bill out of my purse. And, and that's what I, because I'm, I'm keeping things moving because God works. Now, here's what the Holy Ghost said. He said, if angels can cause the water to move, we have more authority than angels. And some of us are sitting around waiting for an angel to move our water when we have more authority than any angel. <coughs> I got to preach soft tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me get all my paraphernalia over here. Anyway, and so we have more authority than angels, so we get our water moving. 
We're not gonna, I'm not going to sit around waiting on an angel to move the water. I'm going to get the water moving. Amen. The second place God's putting emphasis this year is prayer. Is prayer. God's putting an emphasis on prayer. He's always putting an emphasis on prayer. But there is just a special anointing to pray right now. And so we need to be praying, especially in tongues. 1 Corinthians 2, 7 says that when we pray in tongues, we speak the mysteries of God. And so a lot of this end time stuff, we've never been here before. No other generation has ever been here before. We don't exactly know how this is supposed to work. It's a mystery. We've got to pray in tongues until we know, until it all comes clear. And that's how you find it, is in praying in tongues. Amen? And, and hallelujah, If you, you the, the, the blessings that God has for your family, how He's going to get these blessings to you, they're a mystery. How amen? Number three, God's putting a, uh, an emphasis over on praise. praise. Praise is the language of faith. We've told you that. But also praise keeps our spirits up high. Praise keeps our hope, which is expectation. Hope is just expectation. Uh, it keeps our expe expectation up. And so we need to keep praising. Don't let, don't, don't, don't settle down. Don't settle down in this church. I found it seems like there's been a, a little tendency the last two weeks for everybody to settle down. Quit settling down. Everybody just settle down. I don't know why. Hallelujah. And don't wait, you know, I don't don't wait for somebody else to be the leader. Amen. Don't settle down. Okay, John chapter 12. I'm gonna get you somewhere else now. John chapter 12. We're going somewhere with this. John 12, verse 12. This is talking about praise still. See, sometimes we're waiting, and you know, and we, we've got a little situation in this church. We don't have a keyboardist. Anybody notice it? Y'all noticed. Well, quit noticing so much. And I'm going to give you scripture for it. Because we could sit around saying how limited we are. And, you know, if you look at it in the natural, there is a limitation. But if you look at it in a per world perspective, if you look at it in a, 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 a all the ages put together perspective, how many, how many, I wonder, I wonder if Jesus had a piano player. I wonder if he had a keyboard. Wonder what they plugged it into. Wonder if they hauled a big piano around, his, his, uh, his, you know, disciples that traveled with him. Probably not, you know. Hallelujah. And you know, in John 12, and this is how the kind of people... See, we've got to go to another level. We've got to be a different kind of church even in this area. Now, this may not be forever. We may have a keyboardist tomorrow. We're praying for one. We're believing. Amen? But if it never happens, and I've prayed so it will happen, but let me say, until it happens. Let me say it that way. Until that happens, until that comes, then I don't want to have any limitations, do you? And here's, look at John 12, verse 12. Now, how do you, how, you... The reason I know this is we were praying about praise and worship one day, me and another person in the church here, and we were praying about the praise and worship, and this just rolled up out of us. It just rolled up out of us. I mean, we were praying and we said, Dear God, we're going to rise up as a people because 
On the next day, much people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet Him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Folks, we've got praise and worship all screwed up in America. And that's why there's no anointing on most of the songs that are out there. There's, I mean, because and, and some of them aren't right scripturally. I mean, you know... <laughs> begging God to, I need you and all that kind of stuff. Well, dear God, get saved. You got him. Amen. You know, and so that's wrong. It's not, and so there's no anointing on that. And, you know, um, so there's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is, is because we've trained, we've trained the American church to be worship leader driven instead of people driven. Praise and worship is supposed to be peep the people. Folks, we don't need a piano. We don't need a keyboard. We don't even need a leader. We ought to just have somebody be able to say it's church time and bless God, we're just like these people. We just grab a palm branch and start crying Hosanna and praising God with all our might. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. And if so if they all pass out on the stage, hallelujah, we just keep it going. Because we're not, we're not praising them. And we're not watching to see how they do it. It's got to be something out of our hearts. Hallelujah. And so we got to throw our whole self into it. And if when we do that, the power of God will come into this place. When we, when we start praising Him and we quit thinking about, you know, you know, a lot of stuff that we think about. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God. Praise God. Now turn over to Luke 19, verse 37. I didn't know this was going to take so long because this is just the introduction. I hadn't got to what God gave me for y'all yet. This is just the intro. And then I have another sermon after that. So let's see. We're having another Holy Ghost meeting tomorrow night. Luke 19. Well, you know, there wouldn't be anything wrong with that. Did you know Pastor Avery does it on a regular basis? Where And, and Michael, Pastor Michael and I have never had the nerve to do it. But he does it on a regular basis where he calls special meetings for his church and he preaches them. I guess we got a fear of rejection or something. Fear, afraid it'll just be me and him. Hallelujah. And afraid of everybody that's tired in the church. Because we've got a whole world full of tired people. They are so tired. Because we do all the things we're not supposed to do. That's why we're tired. I mean, that's why we're tired. That's why we're tired. We stay up late doing all the things God never called us to do. That's it. Right? That's it right there. And no Sabbath. We don't take a Sabbath. We work seven days a week. Hallelujah. That's why people are tired. And they don't get eight hours of rest tonight because they're watching Jimmy Kimmel or something. I don't know what they're watching. And are, may, are surfing the Internet. Hallelujah. Not praying mostly is the whole... If you go back, if you pray... If you pray, God helps you get your work done. That's true. We've proved it in our own lives. If you pray, God helps you get your work done. When you're not a prayer, you can't get it done. You can't get everything done in one day. And you, and you don't pray. You don't have the wisdom of God. You commit to things. You commit your children to things that God never put His stamp of approval on. And so you're overbooked, overloaded, and you're running all the time. And there's never time to just sit down and in the evenings and be with family and just relax and rest. There's not time. And then we, you know what we do? We blame church. 
Now, I'm preaching real good now, but I know it's not popular, but it's true. We always blame church, and church is only two nights of seven. Well, actually, unless you go to Bible school, it's only one night of seven. And we blame church because it's easier to do that than to rearrange our priorities. Amen. And that's, that's the truth. Hallelujah. And, and we, we work, we work night and day because we don't, we're not in faith because we, and that goes back to not feeding ourselves in the Word. We don't have faith to believe God for our provision. And so we, so we're running all the time, running, 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 trying to chasing, chasing the next dollar. Hallelujah. And because we don't have a confidence in God, we're afraid of our bosses. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Yeah, that's, it's a Holy Ghost meeting. That's not in the notes. Luke 19 is, are y'all there? Verse 37. I'll get off of that. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Folks, God's been so good to us. Hallelujah. We don't need somebody to say praise Him with a loud voice. Pray, And we don't need a feeling and we don't need the right song. I can just tell you, as long as you are, uh, we are dependent on tracks, it's hard to find the right song. And it's sure hard to find three in a row that fit together and go together and the rhythms go together and the, 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 and that are in the right key so that all our singers can see it, sing it, and that are, uh, um, cause you know, you have ranges and so forth and they only come one way sometimes. And then, you know, praise God. You know what I'm saying? So we gotta, we gotta forget that. It's like, bless God, I am going to tear the roof of all this praise, praising God. If she sings, Mary had a little lamb. Hallelujah. And quit being emotion driven because we are spiritual people. Amen. And we're more spiritual than this. Hallelujah. Revelation 19.6. Now I wanted to prove this to you from Scripture. You don't ever, you don't see in the New Testament, you don't see, let me repeat this, in the New Testament you don't see nothing about a praise and worship leader. Now, in the Old Testament, you can find, you know, the praisers and the singers and the tambourine players and all that. But in the New Testament, it says, Bless God, lift up your holy hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise Him in the Spirit. Praise Him with the understanding. I'm not... Hallelujah. Some of you, you have had uh, five weeks already of praise life. But I'm giving you another dose tonight. Because we hadn't got it yet. We hadn't got it yet. Revelation 19 verse 6. says, And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. God wants the many waters praise, not the one worship leader who we listen to praise. Amen. He wants the many waters. That's us. He wants the voice of the multitude. Hallelujah. So that's how we're going to do it in this church because that's all we can do. God took the crutch and hadn't given it back. Amen. There's another thing the Lord said to me concerning all of this stuff is there's no time to waste. You may think we have some time to waste, but we don't have any time to waste. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, here's what the Lord gave me for you. You're going to like this next part a lot better. Tuesday evening before ladies' prayer, uh, the Holy Ghost started talking to me about the end-time wealth transfer. Now, see, isn't that? That's better, isn't it? Hallelujah. So I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kiss your wounds right now from all, from all I just said. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Turn to Exodus 3. I, want, I know that some of you have never heard anything about this, or if you have, you didn't know what they were talking about. So I want to show you this in the Word of God because we're there now. Now, this started coming forth in the 1980s. I think we first started hearing it, but I know it's, it's actually come forth. The old-timers uh, got over into some of this. Some of them I've read in some books that I've read about revival, how some of them got into a revelation of the end-time wealth transfer and would preach on it. But it wasn't commonly preached until the early 1980s or mid-80s. And John Avanzini began to spread that uh, around, as well as other people, about that there was going to be an end-time wealth transfer. And so uh, we need to look at that from the Scriptures. And the basis of it comes in Exodus chapter 3, verse 22, and Exodus chapter 11, verse 2, which we'll look at. And you've got to remember that 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 says that the things in the Old Testament were given to us as in samples. It says in samples, which just means examples, as examples uh, and it was especially given to the the the, uh, the the generation that would see the closing of the age. The 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 amplified actually says the closing out of the age. And so we're the generation that's going to see or is seeing the closing out of the age. Amen. So the things in the Old Testament were given to us as examples. Now in Exodus three twenty two, there's a precedent. God will often in the Old Testament set a precedent for something He's going to do in the New Testament. Well, He always does nearly. Uh, so Exodus three verse twenty two. It talks about the children of Israel, and they were in Egypt. And it says, um, and I will give, verse 21, and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when you go, ye shall not go empty. Now, we're fixing to go somewhere too. And we're not going empty. Hallelujah. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. And then in Exodus chapter 11, hallelujah. Exodus chapter 11 and verse 2. Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor, and every man and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Now, uh, and then Psalm 105, verse 37. Thank you, Jesus. Now, God wants us to get our faith on this in a new, fresh way. Some of us have still been calling for it. Some of us have let it slide. And some of us didn't even know it existed and was available to us. So, uh, He wants us to get our faith around it in a, uh, in a new, fresh way. That don't look right. Here it's in, it's, yeah, there it is. Psalm 105:37, because I have it marked. He says, it says, He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Now, when they came out of Egypt, they came out wealthy, and they came out healthy. 
Amen. Well, that's we're the glorious church. And we can't come out of this place in the rapture broke, in debt, and sick. Amen. That's not, and God, we've, we've heard prophecies through the years. It's trickled down. And you've heard them how there's going to be meetings where uh, the anointing comes on and everybody in the meeting is healed. Hallelujah. Now, we're already healed, but some people haven't gotten a big enough revelation of it. And, 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 and none of us have got a perfect revelation of it so that we just walk in health all the time. But, um, or a few of us, I might not say there's not somebody somewhere that has. But a few, there's very few in the body of Christ that has gotten the revelation to that extent, even though it's available to all of us. Amen. Now, turn over to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. Thank you, Jesus. Now, this, I, this is not a license to sit back and wait on the end-time wealth transfer. In fact, if you sit back and wait, you're not going to partake. I'll make that rhyme. If you sit back and wait, you won't partake. No, this is a time to get in the flow and get the waters moving. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And to be at the right place at the right time, my little grandmother used to say at the spout where the glory comes out. Because you can be at the wrong place at the wrong time and do without. Amen. And the wrong place at the wrong time is at home watching gun smoke. Hallelujah. When the glory's coming out, you don't want to be at home watching gun smoke. Because you'll be, you'll miss things. Hallelujah. Proverbs uh, chapter 13, verse 22 says, uh, A good man leaving an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Okay, so we see something else here. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Well, how many of you know that there's some sinners out there that got a lot of money? Amen. In fact, it's like there's been an anointing in the earth to just make tremendous amounts of money, and it's mattered little whether you were saved or unsaved, has it? In fact, I was watching on TV uh, not not too long ago, a few days ago, uh, on one of the learning channels or something about the 10 richest women entertainers. Because I like to watch shows on TV about wealth. I do. I like to watch them. Because I, cause I believe that the you know, wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. And I want to see how filthy rich they are. And they are filthy rich. Amen. I think Julia Roberts is worth $320 million or something like that. And she's like third or fourth down the list. You know, she's not even number one. Hallelujah. She, she, she doesn't even, hadn't had a, she hadn't had a movie worth anything since the 90s. Hallelujah. And she's got $320 million. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, it's not our job to know how God's going to get this. It is, it, it is just beyond human understanding. So don't concern yourself with that. It is our job to believe the Bible. It's our job to praise Him and thank Him and release our faith for the promises of the Bible. I can't figure out how He could get Julia Roberts' money away from her. I don't care. But I know this, that that money's got to go and, and bring the harvest in. Hallelujah. Now we're going to look at some more. Turn to James chapter 5. Let's get over in the New Testament and see this. This is in the Bible. This end time wealth transfer is in the Bible. James is chapter 5 is a unique uh, 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 passage. Uh, 
uh, in James chapter 1, it, James starts off writing and he says, my, to my brethren. And uh, so we know he, who he's writing to, that he's writing to the brethren, the brothers and sisters in Christ and so forth. And um, sometimes when they say brethren, they're actually writing to their Jewish brethren. And sometimes you have to divide that and how, who he's talking to. But we know he's writing to the brothers and sisters in Christ in this case. But in James chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 1, he changes and he starts writing. Now this is all about rightly dividing the word of truth. He quits writing to the Christian. And he starts writing to the sinner. And he says, Go to now, ye rich men, <coughs> weep in hell for your miseries that shall come upon you. This is not us. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rest of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. If you see any wicked people, sinners, I'm not talking about perverse pornographers. I'm not talking about... I'm talking about just sinners. Don't know God that have heaped up lots of money... They heaped it up for the last days. God has a reason. God has a purpose. Don't understand it. Don't know why. Just know it. Because I read it in the Word. You have heaped up, this is verse 3, you have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you, kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and have been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Then he starts, he changes. He starts talking to us. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. So he starts talking to us and he tells us to be patient. We're going to have to be patient about this wealth of the wicked thing because we can't make it happen any faster than it's going to happen. All we can do is stay in faith and keep our bucket held out. You know, if you're in faith, you got your bucket out. You're ready to catch it when it comes. And you have proved yourself to God. Because, hey, listen, if you can't handle the little meager salary you've got now, and you can't tithe and give offerings on that, he's not going to float Julia Roberts' $320 million your way. Because you'd be like them that won the lottery and you'd go down by your big house in Florida. I watched this guy that won and, and he, boy, he's got jewels stacked up around his neck and he's got Buddhas made out of gold because he buys all this fine art off of eBay and the internet. Yeah, you do. people do stupid things like that if they hadn't already trained their hearts. And, and, and he's helped some people too. I mean, he did have a tender heart to some people. But basically, he heaped it back. He's just heaped it on himself. And so... um. But, but if you prove to yourself, then God will trust you. See, you're a funnel. That's what you've got to prove is that you're not a, you're a funnel. Maybe I shouldn't say get your bag out. Maybe I should say get your funnel out. Because you're just going to be a funnel. And you say, well, I don't think it's right for God to take uh, the money from the wealthy wicked. Well, you don't understand the Bible then. You don't understand spiritual principle. First of all, he said here that one of the reasons that this money belongs to other people is because it's been kept back from them by fraud. 
There are million-dollar companies in this world. We won't name any of them, but you hear about some of them on TV that pay their employees purely, purely, and yet make billions. They don't furnish health benefits for their employees and yet make billions. Amen. They don't pay overtime. They do everything in the world they can do to get out of paying their employees. They have their employees working for slave wages and they prey on the fact that these people don't have educations, can't get better jobs. That's the only kind of job they can get. And so, hallelujah. And we're not against people making money. No, so we're not against that. That should that's a good thing for people to make money. Hallelujah. Amen. But there, and then there's some that, that, that even steal from their employees. Tell them they're going to give them things and don't give it to them. Change their minds and so forth. And so, <coughs> so this is one reason that it's okay for God to get it, to settle the accounts. Because He's a God of justice. He's going to settle the accounts. He settled accounts. You know, He's always, you know, He settled accounts during the Civil War. You know, for all the people that still want the accounts settled, it got settled. Because they had beaten slaves these, and they had uh, killed them and shot them and abused them and they lived in trash and they ate the scraps while the southern landowners lived in luxury. You know what? The accounts got settled. They, millions, hundreds of thousands killed in the Civil War. It didn't have to be that way. But you, it's, it was justice is what it was. It was literally justice. They sowed it and they reaped it. Hallelujah. And so hundreds of thousands of families lost their boys in the Civil War. But they had taken God. There is no Jew nor Greek. There is no slave nor free in God. Hallelujah. We are all the same. We are all the same. Hallelujah. So the injustice has been settled in God's eyes. It got settled in the Civil War. Amen. Now, turn over to uh, Haggai chapter 2, verse 8. Because, you know, some of you may not be convinced that it's okay. I don't understand. You know, they made that money. They, you know. Listen, the wicked couldn't breathe if it wasn't for God. They wouldn't have a brain in their head to make this money if it wasn't for God. You hear things on TV about people being self-made men? I guarantee you there isn't none of them self-made. I can't find Haggai, so somebody tell about before Zechariah. Yeah, it did help. I found Zechariah. Haggai chapter 2 verse 8. Y'all know what it's going to say. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Let me ask you, whose money is it? Whose money is it? The silver is His. The gold is His. Hallelujah. Let's keep looking because that's just one scripture. Uh, Psalm 24, verse 1. You need to get your faith around this. You need to get your faith around it. Now, this church is a giving church. Don't think God hadn't noticed. Don't think God hasn't noticed. And yes, He's already blessed us. And if He never blessed us anymore, we're, we're already thankful. Because we are, He's already blessed us enough, you know, in the new birth. He's already blessed us enough just by having the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If He never gave us another thing, we'd be thankful and grateful. Hallelujah. But God's noticed. God has noticed. And He is not unrighteous to forget that your labor of love and your service to Him. Psalm 24, verse 1, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. 
Psalm uh, uh, 50, verse 10. The earth is the Lord's. They're using God's dirt. You know, people say, my land. You ain't got no land. My land. You know, oh, I want me 25 acres. My land. You don't have any. It's not yours. The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof. The Amplified says, I don't know if it's this verse. It may be this one here. Psalm 50, let me read it first. Verse 10. It says, uh, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. You ain't got no cows. You ain't got no horse. You ain't even got a dog. Hallelujah. It's none of it yours. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 12 of Psalm 50. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee. For the world is mine and the fullness thereof. The Amplified says, and everything in it. The world is mine and everything in it. If he wants it, he can have it. Because it's his. And you're just privileged, and the wicked is just privileged, that he's letting them even walk on his ground. And breathe his air. And eat his food. Because it's His. It's all His. Amen. And if He says, I want 10% of it, it's His. You don't have a say. You don't even have a choice. You may take the choice, but you're just like that, that, that Lucifer guy who, who took a choice he didn't have. I ain't saying you're the devil, but that's the same spirit. You're making choices that aren't yours to make. You can because you have free will, but you don't have a right to. Because it's His. Hallelujah. Amen. It's His. It belongs to Him. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. And everything in it. Hallelujah. And if He needs it for the end time harvest, which He does, He's going to get it. I don't know how. Now, we all thought, we didn't really think this, but other people thought. And it's like, sure, I'm willing, I was willing that Y2K was going to shut down all the computers. And boy, there was going to be money, you know, putting in, put in bank accounts that, you know, we thought it was going to do all. Hallelujah. I don't care how he has to do it. I don't think care if he sends angels in to fix computer systems. And, and all of a sudden, you've got $320 million in your account. I don't care how he does it, do you? And I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. Why? Because when I do, I get out of faith. Because it's too big for my little mind. It's too big for my little mind, but it's not too big for my heart. Because I can believe the Word of God with my heart, and it's not too big. When I, you know. And so as long as I can keep my mind off of it, and just thank Him for doing it. Amen? And He has need of it. And he's going to call it. You remember when in Jerusalem, we just read about it, how when he needed a donkey, he didn't say, go ask the man if we can borrow the donkey. He said, go get the donkey. A young colt that had never been ridden on. He said, go get it. If they say anything to you, just tell them the master has need of it. I don't know. Maybe we're just going to walk up to him and say, write me a check for 10000 The master has need of it. That kind of boldness might come on us. Who knows? It could. It could happen. They, it did. The, these people weren't even saved. And they had been slaves in, in Egypt. They had been beaten. They had been tortured. They had been made to make bricks out of straw. 
and some sort of supernatural boldness came up then, and they walked up and said, uh, give me your earrings, give me your ring. And maybe they even said, I'm borrowing it, because it says borrow, but I don't even think they said that. I think they just said, the master has need of it. Yeah? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But you've got to have a funnel mentality. Because that kind of boldness is not going to come up on you, you know. So you say, look at this Rolex I got. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Turn to Proverbs 6.31. This is going to be fun. This end time stuff is going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be hard. The world's getting dark. No, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun being a light in the darkness. It's exciting that the world's getting darker. Because we getting light. It makes us look lighter and brighter. Hallelujah. Oh, I work in a dark place. Aren't you special? I work in a real light place. You're special. You get to work in a dark place. You get to shine more than I do. Uh, verse 30, we'll have to start there to get the context. Men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. But if the thief be found, he shall restore sevenfold. Hallelujah. So right there is enough scriptural reason for God to get you everything you need because I guarantee you a bunch has been stolen from you. That the devil's been faithful to steal, kill, and destroy because that's what he does best. And so a lot's been stolen from you and the thief be found, you get sevenfold back. God's got it all covered in his word, doesn't he? Turn to 1 Kings chapter 8. We're winding down, kind of. Kings is after, it's before Chronicles. You can remember that because always think about the kings holding the newspaper. Kings before Chronicles. That's how I remember it. The Jerusalem Chronicle. Kings are holding it. First Kings chapter 8, verse 56. Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel. According to all that he promised, there hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses his servant. You know, God didn't want us to believe these things. He shouldn't have put them in his word. Amen? Cause, and, and, and he... Are, listen... Not Jesus, until everything that's prophesied comes to pass. Hallelujah. Everything that's been promised me, there's got to be an end time wealth transfer. Because got, you've got to have a hundredfold in this lifetime. In this lifetime. Now as soon as you go to heaven, it's not this lifetime anymore. It's another dispensation. So in this life, we're going to have to have some justice, some... You know, hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. We read this this morning. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Folks, if, 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 if we have to reap what we sow. It's the law of the kingdom. Amen. Let me just read another one to you. I'll just read it. Haggai 2.9. We won't try to find Haggai two times in one service. Haggai 2.9. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter house. This is the latter time. This is the latter house. We're the house of the, of the Lord. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The house of the latter house 
the house, uh, the latter house will be, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former. John 2.10, in John 2.10, the Bible says that uh, Jesus turned the water into wine and he saved the best wine for last. That's a principle. That's a Matthew 20 verse 16 says the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Hallelujah. Well, we're the last generation. So in some things we're going to be first. They got to heaven first, but we're going to be first in some things. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, that was my first sermon. Now we're going to pray for people and I'll preach my second one. Actually, I already preached two, I think. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't know what you want. How do you want to pray for them, Pastor? We want to pray about you and your bucket and your funnel and hallelujah. You're going to have to take over.